And I noticed that in this moment that something had switched because of my experience with strengths-based development. There are 34 strengths here and I'm only great at 10 of them. That's 24 things that other people are great at that I'm not. This was a liberating thing for me when I realized I don't have to be good at everything. I can be great at the things I'm great at and other people can be great at the things I'm not great at because I'm good at things that they're not good at. And together we make a better whole than any one of us apart. And to be able to accept that and extend a little bit more like grace and forgiveness to other people for not being good at what I'm good at, but also extending that to myself to be okay with the fact that I'm not good at everything that other people are good at was just a, a moment of freedom and peace. What if the things you love to do the most turned out to be the most valuable in your career and your home? What if tendencies that haven't been recognized as strengths turned out to be the secret to your success? What if we could all see and appreciate each other for our strengths and not worry so much about our weaknesses? Mm. Hello, Heidi's. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving a sense of connectedness, a dose of empathy, a glimpse of the way forward, and an opportunity to engage. And, and uh, we're back from our hiatus. Yes. Hi there, everybody. We had such a great time. It was so relaxing and the floor looks amazing. It hasn't happened yet, I'm but la- we're, we're projecting <laughs> into I'm, the future. Yeah, I'm laughing because, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to back to this episode, which is in the future somehow. We get to interview Micah Lawrence, who is a corporate management dropout turned leadership, relationship, team development coach, and yeah, he's just amazing. Kind of cheerleader, I think. He's just yeah. got so much positive energy. Uh, he's based in Austin, Texas, and he is a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach and a believer in the power of positive psychology. He has nearly a decade of facilitation experience with an emphasis on strength-based development workshops for teams from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And now he's applying what he knows about Clifton Strength Finders to families and couples. Mm-hmm. Micah also developed the ACRR coaching approach to ensure that individuals and teams with whom he works will actually see lasting results. Micah is an absolute delight, and he really helped us figure out some very important things during this conversation. And it turns out that focusing on strengths is a lot like looking where you want to aim your car or your shot. Stay tuned for a conversation overflowing with glass half full goodness. Learn how to see your own strengths, appreciate what others bring to the table, and how to band together to accomplish anything. Hey, before we get started, if you find this podcast helpful or valuable to you, would you leave us a testimonial or review through Podchaser, iTunes, or on our website? We produce this podcast for free out of our own kind of heart and motivation and just wanting to share, and we don't put any ads on it. So it would just mean a lot to us to get your feedback and comments. Go to podchaser.com slash here together to leave a five-star rating. Let's do the checklist. The cats are secured. Check. The tape is rolling. We don't have any tape, but uh, the if little had... the little countdown timer is is going on the on the recorder. So okay. check. Okay, that's good. Caffeine at optimal levels. I always want more. Yeah. But check. Okay. The microphones are hot. Check. Okay, we are here, here together. together. 
<laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Here Together podcast. I'm Charles Matthews. And I'm Kelly Robert. And we're here with the podcast, Gus, who is sleeping on top of the power strip. So if everything stops for a second, it's because Gus rolled over and killed the power. Yep. But more importantly, we're here with Michael Lawrence, who's going to talk to us about our strengths. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk about the, your strengths. And I love that you're willing to be vulnerable with your listeners and uh, talk about that with me today. Yeah, well, we've, we've already had a wonderful time talking to you just in the last uh, 10 minutes that we've been on and and your smile and your warmth and your openness around and your enthusiasm around yes. these ideas is really contagious. And I feel I feel really safe and excited as well. Me too. It's going to well, be thank fun. You. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So, Micah, we always like to start off by asking our guests what they wanted to be when they were 10 years old. Well, that is, it's funny. That's a really timely question because when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be an Olympic runner. I wanted to be a sprinter. Ooh. And um, with the Olympics coming up, that is not what I want at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I loved running as a kid and I thought I was fast. And so I would love to race people in elementary school. And what's funny is that I, do, I remember this one boy moved into our school and um, everybody knew I loved to run and he liked to run too. And we raced and he just whooped me. Oh. Like I wasn't even close. And oh. it, it occurred to me then I was like, oh, I'm not as fast as I thought I was. Oh, so no. I, I don't know what happened, but over the years I've learned to not like running at all. I still love sports, but to like to get me out to run a marathon or even just to jog around my neighborhood, I'd rather I'd rather play basketball or volleyball or something fun like that. And and now I'm like, don't make me run unless oh. I'm doing something fun. So I don't know if it was that boy in elementary school that ruined me, but he crushed your um, dreams. He crushed my dreams. Oh, <laughs> I no. found other dreams. Yay. Yay for <laughs> other dreams. So he was he was faster than you. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. way faster than me. Yeah. And you like operating from uh, strength and success, right. I'm guessing. So that makes total <laughs> That's sense. That's right. It started, it started when I was 10 years old. <laughs> Little did you know. There's always a thread. Uh, yeah, it comes, all, it comes back around full circle. Yeah. So, so are you uh, more agile? Is that more agile than, than fast in a straight line? Is that, uh, is that one of your strengths? Yeah. I, that's actually, I would say that's probably pretty true. I picked up every sport I've tried. And so I was never the fastest or the best, couldn't jump the highest or anything like that. But uh, anytime I tried a new sport, I was great at it, like it, above average at least. And so I could participate in uh, middle school and high school in any sport I tried. So I, I think that's actually pretty accurate. Yeah, that's nice. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But kind of jumping forward, you know, you call yourself on your website, you call yourself a corporate dropout. And just, you know, from a from a positive psychology perspective, what we're going to ask is, what did you like about corporate life? Because you you worked for for 10 or 12 years uh, in, yeah. in, a, in a big insurance company. What did you like about it? Probably the, my favorite thing about it is that I, I actually really love change. And we can talk about this later. That's actually an indicator of one of my strengths. But I love the idea that I could work for an enormous company that had pockets of the organization that did very different things. And after two or three years of doing one thing, like I started out as a project manager in IT, and then I was kind of just paying attention to what else was out there. And someone came along and was like, hey, you'd, you'd probably make a really good facilitator on this, this strategic planning team. And I was like, that sounds fun. So I applied for that job and I did that. And then about two and a half or three years later, someone came along and was like, you'd probably be really good at business architecture. I was like, that sounds fun. <laughs> so I just hop, I like was able to hop around within the same company 
keep all my benefits, increase my salary over time. But I got to do different things and learn new things. And that that was probably my favorite part of working for a corporation. Ooh, I totally relate to that. I started oh, yeah. I started off at my present job cataloging books in, in the library admin office and then my new boss realized I had other strengths and then I got I now do PR and graphics. So it's like totally different than what I started off doing. But it's way yeah. more way more in my wheelhouse. So Oh my gosh. Okay. So remind me later cataloging in a library, that is such that is such an input strength. Definitely. To someone, someone who's good at that would also just love that kind of work, cataloging right. knowledge and information. That is aligned with the input strength, which mm -hmm. is your number two. Right. So they, they well, I love learning one. it. I love learning how to do it. But after a year and a half, I was like, okay, this is about as good as I'm likely to get at this. I mm -hmm. am now ready for something else. Yeah. Because I like I, I like change as far as learning new things. So yes, that makes we'll talk, sense. We, we will definitely yeah. talk about that. <laughs> He's got our number. Well, what's interesting from a strengths perspective, so and, and we'll talk more about kind of the the principles behind some of this is that I, I think just about anything can be learned. You can learn skills. Now, if you have strengths that are aligned to certain skills, you will learn those things faster you will probably be better and you're likely to enjoy it more. That's that's the rub. If you can figure out how to align what you're already good at, where your strengths fall with the kinds of jobs where they can pay you to do those things, then you've, you've hit the bank. Like that's what you're looking for. And there are times where people find themselves in a job where they've learned the skills and they're good at what they do now, but it's not, it didn't come easily to them. It took them a really long time to learn those skills and they hate it. And that's what's hard is sometimes I work with people and do career coaching where they're just like, I hate my job. It drains me. I don't like what I'm doing. And we talk about it. It's like, well, what are you paid to do? And what strengths do you have? And there's often a disconnect. You can kind of see why they're not using their strengths at work. And even though they can be good at what they do skills wise, they don't enjoy it because there's there's not that alignment with what they do well. Yeah, they're they just swimming upstream all day, every day. Yeah, that makes any, that would make anybody oh, tired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, so Micah, can you just for people who who haven't been exposed to it, you know, Kelly and I fortunately took this assessment uh, a year two, and a half ago. Yeah, a year and a half, two years ago. But just explain it to us as if we were brand new clients of yours, or or maybe another question is, how do you describe the Clifton Strengths Assessment to clients who've never heard of it? Yeah, great question. Um, I usually give them a little bit of background. Like we talk about the fact that most people are familiar with the company Gallup as being a big research company and they've been doing research for years. And decades ago, they started the research on what today we know as StrengthsFinder or Clifton Strengths. And it started with Don Clifton. He was actually looking for research that he wanted to do or in the field of psychology and positive psychology in particular at the time. And when he looked at what was done in in his peers and what was being published at the time, it was purely deficiency-based development. So that term is really, I think even today, it's still used a ton where we look at our weaknesses and we work on those. We find out what we stink at most and we just try to manage those things by making them not weaknesses anymore. When you, when you try to work on your weaknesses, it makes you well-rounded, but it doesn't make you great at anything because you're focusing all of your time and attention on not being bad 
<laughs> what you're weakest at. It sounds so like that he, old saw about trying to teach a pig to dance. It wastes your time and the and yeah. annoys the pig. <laughs> that is probably way more profound than like we could spend some time talking about that because mm-hmm. I think that it actually is very much related to this because the, so Don Clifton decided I want to instead of focusing on what's wrong with people, I want to focus on what's right. And so he started to do this research around like who can I talk to that have been very successful in their life and did decades of research to figure out what are the strengths that people leverage to be successful? And they ended up coming up with this list of 34 strengths, all of which are good, Mm. but none of which any one person had. So of all the people that they studied, they leveraged different strengths to be excellent at what they did. And they were different strengths than the other person that was very, very successful. So all 34 of the strengths that ended up on this list are good, but nobody has them all, which is another reason why having diversity of teams and diversity in a relationship is really powerful. So ultimately, they they figured out through this research, they could develop an assessment and make it available to the public where people could take the assessment. And they, they do charge, so it's not a free assessment, but it's well worth the money, especially if you're motivated to use it and learn from it. So you can go to gallup.com and purchase an assessment if you're just curious and you want to see what your strengths are. And um, ultimately, they created these questions that they ask aligned with an algorithm that kind of puts your strengths in order. And you can see from 1 to 34 what strengths are at the top and what strengths are at the bottom. And your top 10 or so are what they would consider your dominant strengths. These are the things that come so naturally to you, you don't even have to try. And then at the bottom of your list, they actually call those your lesser strengths, not your weaknesses. Mm, and there's, there's, there's a really important reason for that. If you think about strengths as naturally occurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior, that's how Gallup defines it. Oh, this is how I naturally think, feel, and act. Like That makes sense. For any one of these strengths, as you read them, you think, oh, that comes naturally to me, and it influences my thinking, feeling, and, and acting. The bottom then would be ways that you don't think, feel, and behave. So like we, if we were to talk about one that's high for one of you and low for the other, you would understand by reading that description, if it's high for you, you would say, oh yeah, that's totally me. And when you hear that description and it's low for you, you would hear it and say, oh, that's not me at all. And that actually happens a lot when I'm reading with teams and we read a description, there's always somebody that's nodding and there's always somebody that's shaking their head. <laughs> and it's so it's so telling because I can see them before they've even said anything. I was like, this is you and this is not you. And I can tell by your response. But that's kind of the basics. Like Gallup put decades of research into this and created a really effective algorithm to identify people's strengths as kind of a starting point or a catalyst to them increasing their self-awareness so that they can make improvements in their life by applying their strengths in a healthy way. Love it. Love Mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to spend all day doing the stuff I'm really good at that I really love. Yeah. Really? I do. Is that some, is that, does that, does that correlate to some sort of strength wanting to do the things (laughs) that you're good at? That, that I would say is pretty universal. (laughs) People, People want to do what they're best at and because they're going to be successful at what they're good at and they're going to like what they're successful at. So it's kind of this virtuous cycle of if I find something that I'm good at, I'm going to enjoy doing it. When I enjoy what I do, I'm more likely to be successful. And when I'm doing something I'm good at, I'm more likely to be successful, which makes me 
enjoy what I do. And it's just like, that is one thing that Gallup says increases engagement and engagement is what their research is based on. So when you have engaged employees, they, they're doing work that they love, they're more successful at it, and they're likely to enjoy what they do. And they're intrinsically motivated. So you don't have to provide dumb incentives, dumb incentives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about strengths, but what made you choose the strengths finder as your instrument and focus your sort of your uh, tool your, of choice. Yeah, yeah. Your choice. Your hammer. Everything looks like yeah. a nail. Everything looks like a strength now. That's right. Yeah. That, <laughs> so, that is so true. Oh, man, you couldn't have said anything more true. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how people do like you kind of become familiar with one assessment or some like personality test and and you kind of latch on to that one. And I've always really loved organizational behavior. When I was in business school, organizational behavior and behavioral sciences was always really fun and intriguing for me. So I've never I never had a favorite. I I liked them all. And I and I even to this day, I feel like almost any assessment out there has truth to it and it can help you understand yourself better. So I would not harp on any other assessment that exists out there because they can be helpful. What happened though, is as I was exposed to different assessments, once I took the Clifton Strengths assessment myself, and a lot of people have heard it called Strengths Finder. Um, so we might use that term interchangeably, but when I took it myself, we so I was in, the, in my corporate job, my team decided to do it because teams all over the company were, were doing it. You know, Every couple of months, you'd hear of a, a new team doing it. So it was getting around and we took it on our team and afterwards, I was like, this is like spot on. It's amazing how well this assessment pegged me. And then I kind of looked around and everybody was feeling the same way. And I joke about this, but it's so accurate that we all talked about our strengths for like a day. We put them up on our cubicles so that everybody could see our strengths. And then we never talked about them again. Mm -hmm. It was like it never came up because it was hard for people to figure out that next step. Like, what do you do with this now that you know mm -hmm. this knowledge and it became kind of this mission of mine with on the side of my normal job to to do these workshops around the strengths finder and help people learn more about how to apply their strengths as individuals and as teams for me what i started to realize as i became more and more familiar with the material was that i could explain in greater detail any of the other assessments by using the strengths. It was almost like finding the lowest common denominator where someone would say like Myers-Briggs is really common in the business world. And it's very, it's been around for a really long time. And so people are just like, oh yeah, extrovert, introvert, and uh, judging and feeling and sensing and all of these different things that make up the, the 16 categories of, of Myers-Briggs. I can help people dig into their extroversion by talking about the strengths that make up their personality. I can dig into somebody who says, oh, well, I'm an introvert. And it's like, well, let's talk about that deeper. And I can talk about the strengths that contribute to that introversion. And so it's like taking the generalization of introvert and extrovert and giving it more than just a binary spectrum. There mm -hmm. are more places you can fall. And most people actually would consider themselves ambiverts. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm an introvert sometimes, but I'm an extrovert other times. And we can explain that by your strengths. Yeah. You pointed you pointed to yourself. Do you feel that way both well, of you? We we call ourselves gregarious introverts because we love to stay home and we love nothing more than having things canceled. 
but when we do go out or when we do connect with people on our podcasts and when we do, you know, go get involved in community projects or whatever, we love doing it, but then we have yeah. to come lie down with a cloth on our heads <laughs> until we recover. I love that. Yeah. No, well that, that we can talk about a little bit by looking at your strengths because your strengths are an indicator of sometimes how you approach things like that and being able to explain that to people in a deeper way is to answer your question, Charles, is why I kind of latched onto this tool. And it's been, I've been using it for going on eight years. Mm. Love it. Love it. So yeah. what kind of changes did you see at work after you started doing these workshops? Uh, I would say two things. One of the things that that is fun to watch is there are light bulb moments when we're talking about one team member's strengths but I hear like a sigh or an, oh, from a different member of the team, somebody who has that strength, who doesn't have the strength that we're talking about, but they're hearing it describing somebody else they work with. And what's happening is they're, they're starting to understand one another better. Mm. They hear a strength and be like, well, this is how this person sees the world. And this other person is thinking back on an experience that they've had with them that was probably like awkward or uncomfortable or confusing. That's, that's why we argued and they're about like, that that's report. Why, yeah. That's why you did that. And it's like, there was this time and they always have stories. There was this time I did this thing or I asked you this question and you responded in this way and I didn't get it. Like I was confused mm. and I was a little offended and it took mm -hmm. it personally, and I didn't know why that interaction happened. And now I know. And so all of a sudden, they cannot take things personally. They can extend a little bit of tolerance to other people to just accept, even just that accepting, like we have different strengths. And not only is that okay, it, that's good. We, but we have to see it as a good thing in order for our working relationships to be better. And so that's the first is working relationships always improve for teams that not only learn about their strengths and the strengths of others, but talk about it over time. A lot of times people will do what my original team did and you take the assessment, you have a workshop, it's fun, you like talking about it, but then you never talk about it again. But the, the teams that really incorporate strengths-based language into their team going forward, they work better together because they look at their differences truly as an advantage the way that we should. So diversity, improves mm. and tolerance improves and working relationships improve. So that's that's one huge benefit that's probably my favorite. The other one that's very practical especially for leaders is there there are times where we'll talk about how certain activities that everybody on the team is expected to do. It's fun sometimes to find that some people love that activity and some people hate that activity. And it's different activities that the team's expected to do. And there have been times where I remember one in particular, somebody said, I asked like, what's, what's an activity that you just hate doing? And they're like, oh, when I have to do the data entry part and just the, the tedious nature of putting in all the data when it comes from these spreadsheets, it's like, don't, don't make me do that. That's, that's just the worst. And a couple of people are nodding like, yeah, it just comes with the job. And then this guy over here is like, can I do that for everybody? Like that is my favorite thing to do. You, yeah, you, I'm, a, I'm a tedium nerd. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, can I just put on a podcast and like go That's to town? What he said. Yes. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. He's like, if, when Give I can me. put in my headphones and like, because I don't have to think about what I'm mm -hmm. doing because it's so mindless, I can listen to a podcast or even listen to music and I don't have to interact with people. That's like my, that's my dream job. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden we have this like really practical discussion where your strengths make this kind of activity sound really enjoyable and appealing. 
and other people don't like that strength. Like we don't need to split responsibilities equally across everybody. Give the people what they're best at, because not only are they going to do it better, he's probably going to be faster than other people because he likes that kind of work, but he's going to enjoy it more too. So you're giving people work that aligns with what they're best at, which means they'll be more successful and they're more likely to enjoy it, which increases job satisfaction. It's like, it's a win-win when you can see these things come to the surface for a team. I love that. This relates to an episode we interviewed Rick Hyland, whose sort of passion and specialty is increasing engagement at work. And he, but he, he kind of comes at it from this big picture of like, you know, define your purpose and, and, you know, find ways to yeah. live your purpose at work. But this is sort of a, another way to really improve engagement, like do the stuff you yeah. love instead of the stuff mm-hmm. that you hate. I love how these things help people understand each other better. And we did at my workplace, we did the colors assessment and I know my boss is a green gold and I know, and I'm a blue green. So I know he's, if I come at him from my blue stuff, which is touchy feely emotions, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. He is not going to hear me. He isn't going to get it. He isn't going to want it. It's going to turn him off. It's going to, you know, and his gold stuff is like, I can't, you know, I can't go there. But the green, the sciencey data nerdy stuff is where I can meet him. So I know if I'm going to pitch him, I have to pitch him from the green. (laughs) And we can connect there. And but when he's like in a gold rant, I'm like, oh, he's in a gold rant. That's not for me. You know, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to get involved in that because that's just where he's coming from. I need to be aware of it and, you know, respectful of that space, but it's doesn't, it's not for me. So. Yeah, that's, and that's the key when you're aware of it Mm -hmm. and respectful of it, that Mm -hmm. those two things, if you can accomplish those two things, you truly start to see other people's differences as not something to be fixed. And this goes for Mm. couples. I do couples coaching often. And oftentimes there will be strengths that are high in one couple and low in another. And for the longest time, like I can, I can often call those things out right away without even knowing these couples and just say, this is interesting. This is high for you and low for you. That's probably been a source of tension in the past. And what, where there's a really big turning point is when you stop seeing that difference as a problem to be solved and rather an opportunity for partnership. And that it Mm. truly is a way to balance one another and recognize those differences as a good thing. But it's not just in your home life and personal life. That goes for work too. When you truly look at other people's differences as that's who they are and it's okay. And not only is it okay, I can, we can partner and be really good together because you're so different from me. Once you truly believe that, working relationships improve for a team. And Kelly, what's interesting that you're saying that I totally agree with and that has changed my perspective about really generalizations is this kind of coming from a strengths-based perspective means I have almost no tolerance for generalizations. <laughs> to say, even just when you, Charles brought up the guy that, that said, you go into an organization and you start with purpose and that will increase engagement. That even something like that, to assume that everybody responds to a need for purpose the same is a generalization that's not accurate because oh. there's actually a strength that explains that. Charles, you have your number 11 strength is called belief. 
And that is a need to know that what I'm doing contributes to a greater good, to know that I have a purpose and a meaning for what I'm accomplishing. Kelly has that at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. It's her number 32, which means, which means (laughs) that guy could come into her organization and be like, you guys all need to define your purpose and remind yourself every day and look in the mirror and say, this is my purpose. And Kelly's going to be like, can we get to something more practical or interesting? Because that doesn't yeah, I need, I need to go enter some data. Can you leave me alone? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even just recognizing like purpose is great for Charles and it's not as motivating for Kelly. It's that's OK. That's OK. I that thought you that, need was, purpose I thought and you that was freaking universal, man. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> Love it. The listeners, yeah. couldn't, listeners couldn't see. But when yeah, his but head when, exploded. Yeah. When you like and it's number 32 for Kelly. I'm like, what? <laughs> How can yeah. that be? And it doesn't mean that she doesn't want to have purpose no. in her life. There, there are other for strengths sure, that would, would indicate that it's like, well, yeah, I want to contribute to these world problems and make things better. But it's not as driving a motivator as it is for you because it's a lot lower for her. And it's helpful. It's just helpful to know that, to assume any generalization that you hear, oh, everybody needs purpose. Like, well, maybe some people more than others. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, oh, I got, wow. Okay. <laughs> Do yeah. you need to take a break for Charles to like <laughs> collect himself? Well, so, yeah. I mean, so not only, you know, not only this, this stuff about generalizations, you know, not only did you like uncover this like kind of big difference between Kelly and Ed that I didn't know was there, but I also want to reflect on what it felt like for Micah, for you to just say, Charles, your number 11 strength is belief. Like I felt freaking scene in yeah. that moment. And he just, Derek Delgadio'd you. He did. He did Derek Delgadio <laughs> me. Anybody who hasn't seen. In and of itself. In and on of itself. Hulu, on Hulu. Go. Derek okay. Delgadio. You must. Writing it down. You yeah. must. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt seen and, and validated in a, in a, and uplifted in a really simple, but profound way. Charles, cool. your strength number eleven is belief. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and you can and you can use that now. That's yeah, the thing yeah. about this is that I I I like to tell this story just because it was such an interesting moment for me. But my daughter made me watch this video with her when they, we were doing homeschooling this last year during the pandemic, and she was like, "Dad, come look at this video. It's five minutes." And the video title was "Why Greece? Why the color blue did not exist." in ancient Greece. And I was like, that's, that's weird. And so as this guy goes through the video, he talks about how the color blue didn't exist because there wasn't a word for it. They called things like Homer's writings, talked about anything that we would see as blue, he talked about it as black. And that's what I feel like the strengths-based language does too. Having Clifton strengths is like, Charles already, he always knew that having a purpose was important, but he maybe never realized that he needed language to describe it that there was language to explain this difference between Kelly and Charles. And all of a sudden you have these words to say, you know what, I know this about myself and it's different from other people. I am motivated by having meaning and purpose and contributing to some greater good. And that is gold. That is something that you you now have as a tool in your tool belt that you can work with. And you'll know that when you have that contribution, when you feel like you're working towards something meaningful, that it's gonna feel good and you're going to be motivated to keep doing it. And when you don't, if you ever got sucked into a, a job that was aligned with something you didn't believe in, you're going to hate your life. Like it's going to be a terrible 
fit for you because you don't believe in the mission of that organization. So I'm going to pause real quick just because before we started recording, we talked about like, what are your goals for the podcast? And what are you accomplishing with this podcast? And you might approach it differently when you think about the impact that you're having and the meaning that Charles gets out of it versus what Kelly gets out of it, because they might be different things. And if you feel like you're contributing to some greater good by having the podcast, that might be enough for Charles to do this forever, but it may not be enough for Kelly. Hmm. I this, you know, I'm feeling, I will admit right now, I'm feeling a little uh, anxiousness because I make up, you know, I have this story that Kelly and I are very aligned, that we're very much alike. And we, we talk about it. We, we talk, we talk about our similarities a lot. And Kelly's mm -hmm. actually been really brave in the last four or five months in kind of exploring our differences and even even expressing some joy at discovering the differences as a tool. So uh, listeners can't see it, but behind us are all of these homemade acoustic panels that Kelly made and and we made together, but Kelly did most of the work. And that process was like the, one of the, one of the most challenging parts of our relationship because Kelly loves DIY, like home shopping network, meaning thrift find store, find it at home, it out, thrift store, it out, spend yeah. as little as possible and mm -hmm. get it good enough. Beat the system. Beat the system. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that makes me anxious. Yeah. Like I want to know that something that I'm buying or using is the best we can get with the money that we have. And then I don't have to think about it anymore. And Kelly was like, this is great. We understand one another now. I was still on like, this sucks. This, this, like the difference, but I am still angry and anxious about this. And Kelly's like, no, this is really great. We know this about each other now. This is, yes. this is fantastic. And I'm just like, <laughs> I still want to believe this... that we're perfectly aligned in everything and we can just work seamlessly and not have to think about it. But so, yeah, so I'm feeling a little anxious as we, as, as we find some more, as we That's, find, as we discover some more differences. But I, I know I trust, so good. I trust uh, so much that this process is going to end in uh, a better teamwork, better, yeah, better not relationship. Not end in tears. Not end in tears. There might, might, there be, might some, be some tears, there, along, some the tears way. along the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it won't end in tears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the idea. You just, I mean, you just talked about the idea that I mentioned earlier that it, it may take some time, but when you finally get to a point where you see each other's differences as a good thing, it changes your paradigm around, around difference and that you're actually stronger. You do have a lot in common. You share five of the same top 10 in your strengths, in your top 10 strengths. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's yeah. great. You have a lot in common. I'm so glad that you have five other ones that are uniquely yours because what that does is it makes even the five that you share, it makes them a little bit different. Like you both have high learner, but what you love to learn about is going to be different because you have different life experiences and you have different interests and you have different other top 10 strengths, which makes you even different in your similarities. And th those differences can be such a powerful thing for your partnership to be successful at things that if you both had all the same strengths, and we say this to teams, we don't want any one individual to be well-rounded. We want them to have ups and downs, things they're great at and things they stink at. But as a team, we want them to be as well-rounded as possible so that all of the strengths are covered 
because then you're a more dynamic team. That's the same that I want for couples too. The fact that you have differences means that you fit together better than if you were all both well-rounded. Your circles don't fit well together, right. but stars do. Oh, I love <laughs> right? that. <laughs> so anyway, I just, I love that thought, Charles, it's okay that you feel anxious. It's new, but that is self-awareness is like that first step that we talked about in the model that I use with people is you can't do anything with it if you don't know about it. Mm. And this moment of awareness creates so many opportunities for you to learn from it and develop personally where those opportunities would not exist if you had not learned something today. If you did not increase your self-awareness in one way or another, there would be nothing to change, nothing to improve. Love it. Access more on our guest's background and take a deeper dive into related topics through the information in our show notes. This week, you'll find links to Micah's coaching webpage and more information about how you can take the Gallup Strength Assessment. For encouragement and reference, Charles and I are posting our strengths reports in the show notes. In fact, you can take a look at them before you listen to the rest of the episode so you know what we're talking about. You can always find the latest show notes at here-together.us slash pod for the latest episode or go to here-together.us slash library for show notes from our full ever-growing catalog of episodes. And we just want to remind you that every episode we ask our guests to provide us with a science experiment, mm -hmm. something we can do over the course of a week to just see if it changes. Yeah, a little something. A little something. Just see how it changes our lives and you'll get to hear Micah's at the end of the episode. And every week we also provide a science report. As we say, we're accountable to you. We <laughs> take on the science as best we can. And every Sunday morning on Facebook Live, we let you know what our success was, what our failures were, what our discoveries were. Yeah. And we want to encourage everybody to join us for that community science report. Let us know what you took on, what you didn't take on. Let's buddy up. Let's be a, let's be a group of uh, just, uh, you know, Captain CrossFit. Psychonauts. Psychonauts. Love it. <laughs> Love it. All right, let's get back to the interviewing slash coaching session. Micah is going to tell us a whole bunch of useful truths about ourselves. Mm, and how. <laughs> yeah, so Micah, you've, you've seen my report. You've seen Kelly's report. You've seen our top. You've seen all of our yeah. all of our strengths, no matter how strong they are. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you what do you have to, to tell us or, or ask us about about that report? Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's just talk about a, a few of the, the strengths that you share and a, a couple of the strengths that you don't share and just kind of see what comes to mind as far as like evidence that you've seen in one another like mm. this. Oh, yeah. I, you know, this is that strength when you do this or just yesterday. Yeah. Like yeah. we did this thing. What I will, what I do have to say first though, is that one thing that we have to be careful about when we use the Clifton strengths is that we don't use it as a negative label for other people. Right. And this is a really important aspect of it that I mentioned. I, I think I mentioned we would talk about it's the idea of weaknesses. Your weaknesses are built into your strengths. They're not at the bottom of your list. They're actually at the top. Right. And people know this. And I know this in people because they'll, they'll come to me for the first time. They'll have just taken the assessment. They'll read through the results and they'll point at one and say, that's not a strength. And I'll just say, tell me about that. Mm. And it's because 
because when our strengths are kind of like a natural occurring pattern of thought, feeling, and behavior, I said that before, when we use our strengths well, and we use them intelligently and in a mature way, that's when they are truly a strength. They, we leverage them for our own success. They serve us well. They accomplish goals. They overcome obstacles because we're applying them maturely. But sometimes we overuse or we misuse our natural tendencies, our natural strengths, and they can actually get us in trouble. They can be a hindrance to our success and rub people the wrong way or break relationships or burn, burn bridges. And it's that balance that we're trying to find. When am I using this strength to my advantage? And when is this strength getting the best of me? Because I'm misusing it or overusing it. That's when they're weaknesses versus strengths. Right. And when I talk to people that come to me and they're like, that's not a strength, I'll ask them, like, how has this gotten you in trouble before? And what they tell me are all of these examples of times where I let my strength kind of like flow without controlling it and and it got them in trouble. And what we work on is how can we kind of flip the switch a little bit and take it from these out of control, immature applications of strength to I'm in control, I'm applying this when it's appropriate and I'm dialing back when it's not appropriate right. and I'm learning the difference. That that is self awareness, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm going for with people. Yeah, that's so, so like a like a concrete example is like another a pejorative word for the strength of harmony is conflict avoidant. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Got you, can, it. you can be looking for harmony and and looking for uh-huh. harmony and looking for harmony and looking for harmony and not confronting something that needs to be dealt with. You got it. Oh, that was such a, such a great example. When it's Mm -hmm. raw and it's immature, it's like, well, I'm just going to avoid conflict at all costs because it makes me uncomfortable. That does, that's not productive for anybody. That prolongs It doesn't create real harmony either. No. It keeps the, it keeps the conflict going. You got it. But somebody with high harmony, who's well-developed, they're aware of it. They know that, Hey, what I really want is consensus and I want to move on. And when they can recognize, like, I have it in me to use my harmony to help smooth things over. I'm instead of hiding from this issue, I'm going to address it and look for areas of consensus. I'm going to look for what we have in common so that we can move through this and get on with our lives and our relationship. That's a healthy application of harmony is to get to harmony, not avoid conflict. Great example, Charles. Love it. Love it. I was trying. So, to, I was trying to come up with an example of mine, but all of my strengths can never be are good, used for. Right? They're always. They're all... <laughs> he right, only uses couple... them for good, not evil. <laughs> let's let's talk about a couple you have in common then. So that we'll talk about the strength and weakness side of these as we talk about them. But um, you both have high learner and high input, and so I'm actually going to talk about learner and input together because it's helpful to understand them both by talking about them together, and it's it's insightful because you both have both. So people with high learner just have a curiosity for learning that is unquenchable. Like there's just always room to learn something new. And that learning is insatiable. And it's something that doesn't have to be associated with a outcome. I don't have to have an outcome from this learning. I just love the process of learning. Now, that that looks like in college, that looks like people that are um, auditing classes because it sounds cool, right? <laughs> he was in undergrad for 15 years and I was for seven. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so perfect. It's like, Nailed because it. why would I leave this, 
this free for all organization that's going to teach me buffet. anything I want mm -hmm. from experts who are, you know, trained teachers. Like, why would I want to leave college? This is amazing. Yeah. So I only some, graduated because they stopped giving me money. Yeah. They're like seven years. Is when, enough. My, when my grants <laughs> ran out, I was like, okay, nice. I guess I'll graduate. But that's that love of learning that it helps to know not everybody's like that. In fact, I'm not like that guys. I was like, how quickly can I get through this? so that I can get a job. The learning was a means to an end. I did it. I've actually gone back for multiple advanced degrees. I have a bachelor's, a master's and an MBA, and I have a bunch of certifications, none of which I wanted to learn. I wanted to know I didn't want to learn. And mm. because I wanted to know enough, I dealt with the learning. I dealt with the process in order to get to the outcome that was important to me, not to learners. I, I, you know, I need to hire Micah to just coach me through, like, how can I be successful and get some stuff done right, around, yes. around this learning strength? I know we keep going off down rabbit holes of interesting Let's do curiosity. New. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 There's, there's the weakness. Yep. You just hit on it. Yep. Learners can learn anything. You guys can do anything as long as you're interested. Right. Because making bread, paddleboarding, yep. making soup. Yep. Starting a co-housing project. Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. You, yeah. you can learn it as long as you're interested. Now, that mm -hmm. is kind of something that's fun for people that are married that both have learner. What Kelly's interested in learning in, she could go on for miles and Charles could too. But if those aren't the same thing, you don't expect the other person to be interested in what you're interested in. If they overlap sometimes, that's great. But if it's not your own personal interest, you don't go down the rabbit hole the way that the other person might. Yeah. And so that's something worth talking about. I've been going down the genealogy rabbit hole lately, and he's not as interested in my genealogy, but we yeah. started digging into his last night and it suddenly got a little bit more interesting. Ah, nice. Yeah. So that's, but that's the, the positive is you guys can learn to do anything. If you are both connected to it, you're both interested in it. You, that rabbit hole can be your best friend because you'll learn new things, but it can also lead to inaction and indecisiveness if you mm. just learn and learn and learn, but never do anything with it. Yeah, that's where my, my execute anything. is not. <laughs> I got no execute. <laughs> Which is hard because you're so satisfied with just learning. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. But when it doesn't lead to progress or it doesn't lead to finishing, that's when it can get in the way and can be a weakness that you have to manage and watch for. Mm -hmm. 100%. So the, the difference then between input and learner is that people with high input, they generally do like to apply what they learn, or at least they like to share it. People with high input are collectors. They're archivers. So Kelly, I mentioned like you're being good in a, in a library setting and archiving information is you do it naturally. When you're like, you're probably, when you talk to people who have high input, aside from learner, people with high input generally have systems for where to store what they learn. They keep every textbook they've ever gotten because they think this might be useful later. They have bookmarks and tabs and organizational systems for where to, not just where to put it, but where to find it. Because if I need it later, or if somebody else needs it later, I want to be able to share it. That's where the joy of learning comes to people with high input. For learners, it's just, I learn for me. But for input, I like to learn and to share. And that's where when you see them both together, they probably happen at different times. Sometimes it's just for you and other times it's for others. And that's where you get the joy. So learning that about yourselves might take some time. When is it learner and when is it input? What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, you talk about how you wish you had you had gone into museum science yeah. way back when. Yeah, at I the, almost at the age of twenty or whatever. I, yeah, I, there was a a tiny moment when I almost went into museum science, and now I'm like, God, that would have been really good for me, even if I were doing like strength. you know what I do now is create graphic for you know promotional purposes and for you know flyers and explain how to use library services and i love breaking things down and explaining things love yeah. it and so in that way but my file file management is not what it could be <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what's and our pantry oh, well, no, is incredibly organized and yeah mm -hmm. the pantry's pretty good yep yeah yeah, like indexing things, having mm -hmm. systems for where to find things and systems. where to put things. I love yeah. systems. That doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely comes with input. Not all people with input have that though. So that actually might be a different, a kind of a combination of multiple strengths that make mm -hmm. your systems better than other people. Because um, not, not everybody with high input does the systems as well. They're mm -hmm. not quite as organized as it sounds like you are. So this is, I mean, the, the kind of the practical here and now application, like in the, you know, maybe you should have been a museum curator or something, but like, you know, we're talking about downsizing. We're talking about, you know, figuring out what's next for us as far as a living situation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's practical for me to expect you to live without a lot of storage space. Well, that's probably, that's probably not going to make you happy. I'm working on that. <laughs> but, That's actually what I was about to say, yeah. Charles. I was about to mention that people with high input are collectors. Yeah. They like to yeah, collect you things. Should see, you should see my the garage slash my art studio. I yeah. can't. I mean, I have rocks. I have bird nests. I have dead birds. I have yeah. um, 30 different kinds of ribbon. I yeah, more than 30. I have 30. That's all. Yeah, that's I have way more than that. And I don't even like need them for anything. But um, right. yeah, I I want to do every art media and medium. And that's yeah, that's common. Yeah. It's common. And I think it does. It helps to know that it comes from a good place. Mm -hmm. But but, but knowing out of that balance. Yeah. When is it out of hand and why? Yeah, that's the problem is that especially with learner, like everything's valuable and yes. the input that collector in you makes you think just naturally like this is going to be useful someday you whether it's the me. things that you collect or the knowledge that you collect and so at some point you need to figure out like maybe it's leveraging other strengths mm -hmm. maybe it's just an honest conversation about how this might be the weakness side or the raw side of your input strength to be able to know this is getting out of hand yeah because it's given him panic uh, what attacks. are my criteria like, well, and yeah. that's where you can bring in other, other strengths. Like right. you have really high strategic mm -hmm. Kelly. This is your number one. That's I know, cool. right? If you can think through, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let my strategic win this conversation for once. And I'm going to think through what are the criteria for what I keep and what goes. And yep. I'm not going to think about any of my stuff first. I'm just going to think about the criteria. Is it, is it important to me? Is it productive? Have I touched it in the last five years? Like, what are the, what are the criteria that you would say, this is what I'm going to keep. And, and I'm going to let Charles go through, like, get rid of things that don't meet my criteria. And I'm just going to accept that that's the way it needs to be. That's using a different strength, like strategic right. to kind of balance out another strength, like input that may be getting the best of you.
Yeah. She actually she actually let me do that last weekend with all of the DVDs. Perfect. All of the DVDs and CDs. The CDs had been the music CDs yeah. had been sitting in bags in the closet since she Literally. moved in. Yeah, seven years. And and you know we we watched a DVD the other night when the power went out, but that was it. That so. was about it. Yeah, I I I couldn't know, so it wasn't exactly strategic. Like he just started doing it, and he didn't ask me, and I realized what he was doing, and I'm just like, okay, I just got to let it go. Just yeah. going to give him that so that he doesn't break out. So, Kelly, here's the, and I love that. I think like you're learning, you're learning what works for you. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what we talked about. I think before the show, before we started recording a model that I have on my website, that's ACRR. Mm-hmm. And the first two letters of that are awareness and choice. And this, this is really relevant for this example right now, where even just talking about the fact that this is a natural behavior for someone with high input is creating a self-awareness that helps you know where to put it. Like, oh, I understand where this is coming from now and maybe didn't before. And you might've even seen it as a problem before. Why do I keep this stuff and it just keeps piling up? Something's wrong with me. Nope, nothing's wrong with you. This is a strength. It's a good thing. Now, every strength has the weakness side of things. And that's where the choice comes in is you want to start looking for like, how are my strengths applying to my life? Where do I see my strengths in action? And for most people, it takes weeks and months to really start to internalize what these strengths mean in a textbook definition kind of way, but also what it looks like for them, because it's a little different for you than it is the textbook definition. And as you start to see in your own life, like, oh, you're going to notice in a moment one time, I really want to save these milk carton caps, or you're going to come across something like at a garage sale or someone's going to come, you know, come with something at your doorstep and you're going to be like, Oh, my input really wants to collect this right now and store <laughs> it at home. My input wants it, honey. My, my input, input wants, it. wants it. That's, and then that's where you have a choice. <laughs> right. That's where you pause because you see it happening in yeah. the moment you pause and you say, is this the appropriate time? And is this the appropriate place yeah. to lean into my input? Because truly this is a rare opportunity something I'll never come across again, Mm -hmm. something I'm going to use in the next couple of weeks. And I know it, this, then you might say, yes, this is actually a really good time for me to lean in to that strength and let my input win. But then other times you're going to, because you pause and you're going to think, is this appropriate? You're going to think, no, this is not, I need to dial it back a Mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah. I'm I'm going to choose to not let my input win out this time because it's not the right time and it's not the right place. Mm -hmm. That, that is where knowing your strengths and increasing your self-awareness becomes becomes something that you control Mm. and it serves you rather than hinders you. And that's what, that is what we're going for with this. Yeah. That feels really powerful. So increasing that awareness, which is what we're doing right now, increasing Mm -hmm. the awareness of, of, of not only our own strengths, but each other's strengths. So now, like I said, I'm, I'm more aware of that uh, strength of Kelly. So, you know, you got your own thing to do with it, but like I said, mm-hmm. mine yeah. is like, Instead mine is thinking like, me of me as like, or thinking like my wife is a crazy hoarder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's got strong input. My wife has really yes. strong input and there are tremendous benefits to living with somebody who's got strong input. Like it's a, it's actually, this is kind of a rare situation in that today I am not wearing everything from the thrift store. But the shirt is from the thrift store. <laughs> yeah. Usually I'm like yeah. head to toe, Kelly procured, you know, Kelly personal yeah. shopper, you know, like perfect 
Love it. 25 cents a piece, you know, <laughs> awesome pieces of clothing. That's, that's yep. the normal for some reason. That's $3. Not, yeah. That's yeah. My, that was my mom. Yeah. That was my mom. Your mom I, and that's I, how like I grew this. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are best friends. BFFs. So it actually, there's a part of me that's like so confident that just shifted a couple of weeks ago. So confident about whatever changes might come to our living situation. Cause I'm like, all of our furniture is thrift store furniture. Like, and it's all great. And we can leave it all behind if we have to move out. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Kelly's going to find us yep. equal or deals, better stuff. Furniture. Yeah, that's yep. what I told him. I'm like, we just like walk away, you know, and, and we'll get more Start over. When, wherever we wind up. Like, yep. we don't have to take, we don't have to pack all this stuff up. Call the truck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Super liberating. It is It is really liberating. And and before it had been my my conception of this like pack rat hoarder, oh my God, we're like weighed down with all this stuff had, had you know, made me really uh, nervous and, and anxious. And now she's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's easy come, easy go. And I don't really know how my input strength shows up. It's, it shows up really differently. I don't know if you've got mm -hmm. any ideas about that. Well, that's, that is interesting because it is number four for you, which is super high. And your learner being number one, they've got to work together. And what I would guess is if it's not physical things, it's data. So how, how uh, do you, yeah. Is it, is it collecting? If, and if it's not data, is it experiences? Because yeah. I've heard yes. that from a lot of people with input. It is experiences. Like, I, don't, I don't need physical things and I don't even need like knowledge, uh, share, like knowledge packing and sharing. I need to go places that spark my interest where I can collect those experiences. I want to go to a different country. I want to learn their language. I want to collect their culture. And then I want to go to another country and I want to experience their, their culture. And I want to go through that. And, and that's, those are the kinds of things that they want to collect where it's not tangible. Mm, see, I relate to that too. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think for me, it's, it's podcasting. Ooh. I'm, I'm collecting you, Micah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's yeah. Yeah, curating. That sense. He's a curator. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that curator mm -hmm. is one of the, the nicknames that we give mm -hmm. to people with high input archiver, collector, mm -hmm. curator. Yeah. Yep. That going, going out because you love learning, you go out and you search everywhere and you bring back the best mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's him that's curating but yeah. also because of his work with with people for so long he has all of these stories and he's already shared several of them today and he shares them on the podcast always like all of these experiences that are teachable moments that are powerful and he's got mm -hmm. a zillion of them yeah see, stories see, you can collect wow. stories Wow. Yep. All of these stories from my, from my outdoor adventures, from my teaching. From and then my... you can apply the right story at the right moment. Yeah. You are king of powerful. that. That's the sharing part yep. of input. Yep. You collect it for the right moment to share. Yep. And for some people, it's like, it's books. They have, mm -hmm. they have these, this, they love reading. For sure. And when, it's, when somebody that they're interacting with says something like, you know, I really wish I knew more about real estate. You'd be like, let me send you this book that yeah, I love. We're totally And like it's that. not real. It's not always real estate. It's whatever it is that yeah. they come up with like, oh, I'm really struggling with blank. Yeah. And you're immediately like, I have all of my resources that now I can share with you. And that's the joy. It's the other side of input. Yep. Learner is just consume. Input is consume to share. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you're getting even a fraction as much out of it as Kelly and I are. 
And if this is the kind of thing you like hearing, we hear, we know that a lot of our listeners are kind of really into listening to Kelly and I get uh, raked over the coals or learn something in real time. You can also check out episode 70, How to Live Your Purpose with Rick Hyland, who uh, provided some some coaching about awesome how, to, how to live a more fulfilled life for sure. And you can also check out episode 69, How to Do the Right Thing, part two. Mm. We call it the un-episode with Rick Morrill. Uh, toward the end of episode 68 with Rick Morrill, mm-hmm. he just started asking us questions. Right. He just turned the whole episode upside down, asked us what the fundamental flaw in our relationship was, <laughs> uh, and we kind of came up with an what? answer. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so if if that kind of reality podcast thing is, is up your alley, check out episode 69 or episode 70. Love it. You can subscribe using the button on your podcast app or go to here-together.us slash join to get quick email notifications when a new episode drops. Okay, now back to wrap up the show. We talk about using this uh, ACRR system of, of Micah's as, as an individual or as a family to improve things and create lasting habits. We also get Micah's science assignment, which is a bit more involved than some of our other assignments, but we strongly recommend it. And it's less scary than a lot of them too, I think. Well, I don't know, maybe not for everybody. I'm excited to do it. Good. So as you can see, I mean, when I when I work with people, <laughs> we usually have three or four hour long conversations yeah. to really dig into people's strengths, ultimately with the idea that we're increasing self-awareness. And so for the next few weeks, the goal is to look for these strengths in action. And most of the time, you're probably going to see them after the fact. <laughs> right, you're, right. It's going to be like, oh, that was it, like a couple minutes ago or last week or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, it starts to happen real time. You're in the moment and you're recognizing like, oh, this is what my input feels like right now when it's happening. And that's what you're looking for, that opportunity to make a choice and be in control about how do I apply the strength and how do I not. And with 10 strengths in your dominant strengths, there's a lot to learn. And so that's why I think it takes... 10, you know, I don't know. I almost said 10 weeks. There's no, there's no set period weeks or months to really internalize your strengths and understand like, what do these look like for me? Yeah. Which is, I think is the fun part. This has been awesome. And I, you know, just for the listeners out there, for the audience out there, it's like, you know, find some way to, you know, to, to work with Micah on this, you know, it's, it's 50 bucks to, to get the, uh, the full 34 strengths assessment from Gallup. We'll put the link in the show notes, Mm -hmm. super highly recommend it. And I think this is, this is going to be, and, you know, I think because we're both learners, of course, this is really exciting for us, um, to learn more about our relationship, (laughs) to learn more about how we can, uh, how we can improve it, how we can make it more fun. And then of course, you know, our input is we want to share it with everybody. So we're going to be talking to everybody about this episode for the next several months, but just real quick before, before we kind of start wrapping up the, the ACRR model. We've, we've talked about the first two, we've talked about awareness and choice and choice, you know, using awareness to be able to, to be more choiceful about what we do. You talked, you had a great example about Kelly, you know, making choices in the aisle of the thrift store or whatever, thinking about like, you know, do I really need this? Uh, I think for me, you know, being aware about, um, you know, how I have some more executor strengths and I want to do stuff and I want to see results. And Kelly's less interested in that. That's not a big strength for her. So it's like, 
okay, I can, you know, take a deep breath when I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really frustrated. I can choose about how to behave and how to label my, uh, I can choose, you know, how to label my frustration, how to label Kelly's disinterest in, (laughs) in what we're doing right now. But, but what are the, what's the RR stand for in that ACRR model? Yeah. So the first R is reflection and the second R is routine. And I will just note there, these aren't, necessarily sequential. I do feel like the first two kind of have to happen first, but then there's a lot of popping around between like reflection and self-awareness. And the second two, the the R's are really about change. If you want to improve, if you want to see meaningful change, you've got to have the last two. And starting with reflection, I, I like to think about reflection as kind of like the feedback loop that helps you improve. And I use the example of somebody who's like learning to play a sport like basketball. If you're shooting free throws and you're, you were to close your eyes and not pay attention to what your body's doing and where the ball is going, you don't know how to adjust. You don't know how to calibrate. Whereas people that practice a hundred free throws a day, they're, they're getting used to this feedback loop of, Oh, I'm shooting to the right. Every time I'm bouncing off the right every time. And that reflection is the feedback loop to make adjustments. And that's how, that's how it is in personal development too, is we want to reflect on what we're learning. If you're increasing your self-awareness, that's great. If you make a choice and it works out, that's great. But if it doesn't work out, it's like, there's your feedback loop. There are times where if you look back on a decision that you made, or you think about that moment where you're in the thrift store and you're like, is this the right use of my strengths? That reflection is the ability to improve upon past performance so that you actually see change. The the last R being routine, that is something that I kind of reserve for the right goals that people have at the right time. I don't always recommend routine, but when something's really, when you're really struggling with something, when you really need to make, make a life change, it's like if someone needs to lose weight and we know that the thing that's keeping them from that is exercise, then we talk about like, okay, how do we build in exercise into your routine and incorporate it into the things that you're already doing so that you can see the changes that you want, that you've reflected on, that came from different choices that started with increased self-awareness. So it's that's kind of the practical application, the visible application of seeing meaningful change when you create new routines. Sometimes it's small. Like I've worked with a lot of dads actually recently who have made the comment, I I need to be more present with my kids. And when we reflect on why that's not happening today, more often than not, it's well, after work, I'm kind of burnt out and my phone is what I want to do. Like I, I just, I naturally pull out my phone and it's like, great. How do we establish a routine that puts your phone aside for a couple of hours while your kid before your kids go to bed. And and it's interesting how such a small calibration on what they want out of their life can have such a big impact on their relationship with their kids. And so sometimes it's just setting a routine about like my phone goes in this drawer before mm-hmm. I get home or before I, you know, leave my home office and interact with my kids. And then I come back after they go to bed and I pull my phone out. And it's just like creating new habits that help you see the change that you want to see. Yeah, that's great. We talk about we've in a couple of the podcasts we've done just with Kelly and I, we've talked about how in our relationship, we identified our values and what we wanted to accomplish. But then 
we took the next step of actually creating some routines and some habits around those values. So Sweet. for a Love long that. time. And and the thing that I'm just noticing just now is that some of some of my fear around doing that is that it's going to stifle freedom and creativity that if I say it, we're going to do this all the time on this time. And but what's happened is with our finances. So we we were both not financially very smart capable people when we when mm -hmm. we got married and we knew that that needed to stop yeah, not at all we, <laughs> we were living paycheck to paycheck and yep you know yeah. didn't have yep. a clue and and being in partnership that changed the stakes so we both yeah. made a commitment and we we started budgeting we're using this program called YNAB and for a long time so we had the awareness we were making a choice about what we were doing but we hadn't operationalized it. We hadn't made a routine. And so it was just like every few months we'd be like, oh my God, we haven't budgeted for weeks. And it was really <laughs> anxiety causing. And there were all these mysteries like, what is this $10? We don't even know what that is. And so for a while, more recently, every Wednesday night, we did the budget together. Cool. But then even more recently, we've just started like doing it kind of whenever. Mm-hmm. There's been an, an evolution that I just noticed that it's like, it's not a problem anymore. We don't nice. actually need that routine. You, cre you created the routine. It doesn't look the same every week, but the routine mm -hmm. is now a habit. The yeah. routine makes a new habit that you, that you don't or that you honor. Yeah, right? we integrated love, the behavior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It yeah. became a part, of, a part of your natural habits. We don't let it get out of hand more than a week or two before we're like, we better get caught up. Well, and it's really powerful. I love that you brought up values. We talk about values a lot when we're talking about why through through reflection. It's like I even ask people like, why do you want to be more present with your kids? And all of a sudden that reflection is like, oh, why is this important to me? And sometimes people feel like, oh, I need to create a new a new routine around exercise. And it's like, okay, but why? What value? What value does this tie to? Because sometimes when it's the guy that's like, well, I just want to, I want to have a six pack for when summer comes and I go to the beach when it's that guy versus the person that's like, well, I have high cholesterol and I need to be around for my family. When you can, you can tie the same routine going to the gym to two different values. The person, the person whose values are, I need to be around for my family is so much more likely to follow through on that, building that new habit and following through on their routine because it's tied to what's most important to them. So values are really powerful. Mm. Love it. Love it. Love it. So oh, we could talk to you for four more hours <laughs> yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. absolutely. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah. So we would encourage everybody to check out MicahLawrence.com and we'll put the link in the show notes mm -hmm. for that, for the access to that. And we also encourage everybody, like I said, to, to learn more about the strengths finder and, you know, at the very least, pay the twenty bucks for the for the shorter model. That it's the top. Yeah, you can get your top five. Top five, mm -hmm. but the, getting for the whole thirty four yeah, is really worth it. Go for the whole thing. Yep, it's and so powerful. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah, and just as a kind of a a hint about how it can apply to families, I was just talking about this in preparation for this interview. I just was mentioning it to my sister yesterday, and she's got an adult kid who's still living at home, and she's like, I think so-and-so should take this test. I'm like, yep, I think that would yeah. be, I think I've actually done great. some coaching yeah. with kids in that situation that are just leaving, like finishing high school or finishing college mm -hmm. or in college and trying to figure out like, what do I have to offer? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cause she's so capable yeah. and she just hasn't found her direction. And we are people who meandered for 30 years 
And yeah. I, I don't know, I kind of feel like I'm still meandering in a little bit of a way, <laughs> but yeah, just getting that sense of, so I think the thing for me is, is being able to conceptualize the things that I am and the things that I do as positive, whereas they could be taken as she's a crazy hoarder mm-hmm. or, you know, she's out of control or whatever, to, to reconceptualize those as positives yes. and see how th- that I can be in some measure of control of them rather than them yeah. running me. I think that's hugely that, valuable from this conversation. That is why they call it positive psychology. I it doesn't it. mean that there aren't negatives mm-hmm. or that there aren't challenges with it, but we start from a positive perspective and that's mm-hmm. there's more power in that than negative and criticism and wrong, seeing, seeing what's wrong with you. Amen. Absolutely. And I think, I know we got to go, but just to just, just to make the, the, just to distinguish positive psychology from sort of spiritual bypass, woo woo, it's all going to be good. Right. It's like positive psychology doesn't say there isn't work to be done. Mm -mm. Right. It just means like, let's, let's approach it from a, like, yeah, let's focus on the positive. Focus While on- acknowledging, yep. you know, the, yep. the whole reality, yeah. but stay well focused, said. stay focused on what we can do. Yeah. Well said. Totally agree. Love so, it. So, Micah, what, what tip or practice is, is booing you up these days? What do you, what are you finding most effective in your life? Um, I mean, I, I see things from a, you can imagine, I see things from a strengths perspective all the time. And sometimes I have to keep it to myself because not everybody wants to talk about it as <laughs> much as I do. That's a strength right there. That's another strength. Right? There's a strength there. Look at strength. Yeah, exactly. I'll hear people talking and I'll just be like, oh, that sounds like this. I want to know. And and I can't always know. But I would say something that, that has buoyed me and has been like a really valuable um, thing for me in my life is after I took the assessment, and this wasn't right away, it was probably after a, a couple of years, I had I had an experience where I was I was watching somebody else do something that that was in their strengths and 100% not in mine. And while it was happening, I just I was all smiles. It, for, I, it occurred to me in that moment that I was really excited for this person and I was really enjoying kind of witnessing them in a moment of strength. Um, and it was my, it was actually in a, it was my brother fixing my dishwasher, dishwasher. Um, it had been, it'd been broken and there's actually a strength called restorative that it just comes more naturally to people with high restorative thinking through what could be going wrong here. And that joy and satisfaction of fixing what's broken. I don't, I'm not like that. I'm more like, Oh, it's broken. Throw it away. Let's get a new one. Like that's, that's my initial tendency. Cause to think about figuring out what's wrong is like my head already hurts to think about what to have to figure out what's wrong with this. And um, for other people with high restorative, they're like, Give, let me, let me add it. Like yeah. I can figure out what, why it's broken and I'm going to fix it. And I know I can fix it. And it's that confidence and that willingness to fix a problem that just does not come naturally to me, but it does to my brother. And he's fixing my dishwasher after it had been broken in a little way for almost a year. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And he figured it out in 10 minutes. And I was watching this just like, glowing for him. Like, how cool is this that he fixed something that I could not figure out in a year? He fixed it in 10 minutes. And I was just so happy and so proud. And it occurred to me at that moment that I had not always been that way. I, al- I often felt like growing up, I needed to know everything. 
I needed to be good at everything. To be a, a man and a homeowner and a an adult, I needed to be able to fix my dishwasher. I needed to be able to fix my car, change my oil, do you do all these things that I felt like I almost needed to avoid being found out yeah. if I didn't know something or if I wasn't good at something. And I noticed that in this moment that something had switched because of my experience with strengths-based development. There are 34 strengths here and I'm only great at 10 of them. That's 24 things that other people are great at that I'm not. And all of a sudden, and we talked about being liberating before, this was a liberating thing for me when I realized I don't have to be good at everything. I can be great at the things I'm great at and other people can be great at the things I'm not great at because I'm good at things that they're not good at. And together, we make a better whole than any one of us apart. And to be able to accept that and extend a little bit more like grace and forgiveness to other people for not being good at what I'm good at, but also extending that to myself to be okay with the fact that I'm not good at everything that other people are good at was just a, a moment of freedom and yeah. peace. Mm. When I saw my brother doing something that I stink at and be totally cool with it and really proud of him in that moment to see somebody else succeeding in their moment of strength and not making it about me. Mm. That That is where this has affected me probably more than anything. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's a beautiful leadership strength. That's a beautiful mm -hmm. facilitator strength for sure. Thank you. But how did your brother take that? Did he go like booyah, or was he? <laughs> no. Or was he? No, like... <laughs> no. I think I think we um, I think we've just he's taken the assessment too. He's actually uh, very familiar with the strengths, and we we're hyper aware of one another's strengths, and we appreciate we're very different, and we appreciate in one another our differences. And so he'll look to me for what I'm great at and I'll look to him for what he's great at. And we don't, we don't need to compare. And I think that's probably where some of the power comes from. This is there's a lot of negativity and I've always loved the quote that comparison is the thief of joy mm -hmm. because I feel like that's so true. And something like this helps you realize we're comparing apples to oranges when we look at somebody around us and we see the best of them and we compare it to the worst of ourselves these are totally different things and knowing your strengths and seeing all of these other strengths that other people can be good at is a nice way to be like comparing doesn't do anything. And we've, I think my brother and I have figured that out. Mm. So Clifton strengths finder, the antidote to Instagram anxiety. Yes. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So Micah, do you have a science for us to try on? I mean, there's a there's a lot that was actionable about what we talked about today, but do you have a little something for our audience members to try on for a week? Um, one thing that that I think helps because you've taken the assessment that I ask everybody to do when they've first taken the assessment is to pay attention for these strengths in action. So this is, a, I mean, the, the Clifton strength is based on scientific research and it's, it, it is a behavioral science, which like I mentioned, I love, but that's kind of an ambiguous thing to say, look for these strengths in your life. So what I hone in on with people that I kind of give as an assignment that, that uh, I know is really effective for people who have just taken the assessment is just to find five people to share your strengths with. So if you can, and they don't, I think for you, they don't need to be five different people. Some of them maybe can overlap, but the goal is to pick five people that you care about and that hopefully know you well, 
and share with them, especially your top 10 strengths and just see where the conversation goes. Mm. What that's what that's accomplishing is it keeps it top of mind. So, you know, to be looking for it, but it also helps bring up stories. So when they start telling you, yeah, I saw this in you, you learn more about yourself. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. I like that. So it's like it becomes an opening for for feedback, for strength-related feedback. That's great. Ooh. uh, That's great. Yes, and increases increases your self-awareness because you're learning things that you didn't realize other people had had already seen in you. Oh, neat. That's That's, a good one. Yeah. Micah, thanks so much for for spending all this time with us. And and I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, I mean, so much for us to to think about and work on. We're going to be talking about this definitely over dinner, over breakfast, over <laughs> hike, Good. playing with the cat, whatever it is. Um, yeah, Good. definitely, definitely going to um, enlighten and and inform our relationship. So that's that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, you can tell that this is this is something that I love and I'm a total definitely. nerd about. So. Um, it was truly my pleasure talking to you both about this. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that nerd to it. It's, yes. just, it's just great. It's hey, just we're nerds. Pleasure. Yeah. You just light up. You are like a glowing orb of love for this material. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. It's It was so much fun to be seen by you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if Good. you ever like, you know, if you ever like go to a party and you want to like tell everybody their strengths, but you can't say anything, just call us up and be like, oh, I saw these strengths. We'll be like, yeah, yeah. that's great. You can geek out with me. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. (laughs) So is there, is there anything uh, coming up that you're working on that you want people to know about? Um, I am, I'm working on some online courses. I'm trying to think about, I know that people um, can't always afford a coach and that's, that can be a really expensive investment in yourself that not everybody's in a position to do. So I haven't released anything yet, but if people sign up on my website for emails or connect with me on LinkedIn, I will, I will publish in those places when uh, when I do release some, but I I love the idea of people having an inexpensive online course to start with, to kind of act as a primer for them to understand their report a little bit better and to kind of have the beginnings of a coach and talk through what they should accomplish or what they can accomplish by applying their strengths to their goals in their life and to their challenges in their life. So hopefully soon to come, not quite there yet, but that is, that'll be coming soon. Yeah, and I'll just, you know, I'll make a pitch. I mean, if your marriage, if your family life is important to you, spend some money on it. Mm-hmm. Put your put your money yeah, where your mouth is. Prioritize it. Spend a couple hundred bucks to get the Gallup Strength Finder. Call up Micah and and set up a session. Yeah. And uh, you can get a lot out of one session. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I'd have, I'd be happy to. Hope I hope some people take you take you up on your offer. That would be great. Great. Well, we're not offering to pay for it. We're just saying no, go do we think it. They That's should. true. <laughs> take you up on your suggestion. There yes. we go. There we go. Yes, yes. Yes. Agreed. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much. And, and we really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Can I say that I just felt so seen and understood by Micah? I think that's why people go to psychics and stuff is just to like, tell me who I am so that I feel that kind of connection. And I don't know, but I, he does such a great job. He's so prepared and he knows his, his, his tools so well. And he's like, yeah, this is why you are like this and i don't know there's something very 
very uh, reassuring about that. 100%. Every, I mean, everything we said, he's like, oh, that's a strength. Oh, we can talk about that. Oh, that's a strength. And that's I know, why this right? is like, oh, we can talk about that. And that's a strength. And I don't think we got to all the things that he no, said we were going to talk about. We need to go book him for like nine <laughs> hours or something for our, just our own personal needs. Yeah. We'll have to sell a car just so we can uh, book some coaching. Yeah. But yeah. It's, I think it would probably be worth it. But anyway, like, and he's just like, this glowing goodness this smile and this i don't know he's so positive and fun to be around um i also really enjoyed watching your head explode when he delgadioed you it was uh he, he got you good and it was really fun to watch yeah we have to explain uh delgadio a little bit so derek delgadio is a m- magician a, a deceiver a trickster a storyteller if you haven't seen his special on Hulu called Derek it, Delgadio. In and of itself. Yep. In and of itself. with De- No, Derek Delgadio. Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself, I believe. Ch- yeah. Check it out on Hulu and, you know, let us know after you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Just get in, get in touch with us. Just get, yeah, on, the, don't, get on the socials don't and say we just watched it. anything about it. Nope. Just nope. watch it. And if you've already seen it, let us know what you yeah, thought. absolutely. Anyway, so what Kelly means is, you know, she saw... She heard Micah just say to me, oh, Charles, you are you you are strong in belief. And I just yeah, you heard me. I, we talked about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I just kind of melted. You were there to be seen on all that stuff. It's it's really yeah. amazing. But the other thing I wanted to talk about is just how useful this approach is to relationship health. Mm. Obviously, it's great for for business teams, you know, right. obviously, especially if they don't you know put the report you know in the bottom drawer after they do it but <laughs> yeah you know the we know from Gottman Institute research that the number one thing that kills long-term relationships is disdain mm-hmm. right if you just a, a, a quick shorthand version of the study they the sociologist looked at uh, couples for just just watch them interact for an hour or two and was able to predict with stunning frequency which couples were still together five years later. And the ones that were still together were the ones that avoided disdain, found out how to not have any of that looking down your nose, mm-hmm. judgmental. Well, you're just a, you're just like right. your mother or you're just de- dumb you, that it's way. It's dehumanizing. It is really so dehumanizing. So how, do, how can you love someone when you dehumanize them? It's very corrosive, very yeah. corrosive. So this positivist strength-based approach reframing everything about mm. Kelly as a strength. Kelly reframing yeah. everything about me as a strength short circuits disdain, right? right? It promotes yes, understanding. Because it makes us it it is humanizing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, and as I talked in the podcast, you know, it's like it's, it could be completely easy for me to just be like, oh, this freaking pack rat mm-hmm. bringing home more junk. And now I'm going to be like, okay, Kelly is totally activating her uh, her input mm-hmm. uh, uh, strength. And now that we have this language around, like, you know, making sure to use our strategic strength around these other ones, it's like, right. I can trust Kelly even more because I know that she's going to be noticing when she wants to, you know, use her input strength mm-hmm. and she's going to make decisions. And I have been. Oh, totally, I have been totally. for several years now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working on it really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I know that Kelly, you know, Kelly and I talked this morning about my uh, responsibility strength mm-hmm. and that I really, when I say I want to, when I say I'm going to do something, it makes me really uncomfortable if 
I don't do it. And when Kelly tries to like let me off the hook and say it's okay, Charles, you don't need, you don't need to do that thing. Yeah. You don't need to break bread today, or you don't need to, you know, get that uh, newsletter out today. Nobody cares whether it comes out Tuesday or Wednesday. It's like I care. Yeah, yeah, and I have so much a, a, such a clearer understanding of what that means to him, and so now I don't need to try to make it better for him because I was trying to take away something that he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so that's pretty huge that we can get clear on the, those dynamics where we weren't understanding each other. And yeah. now we understand so much more, you know, where our strengths don't match up is where we get into conflict. And when we understand what that dynamic is like, we can make our relationship work so much better. And thank you for that reframing just then. Mm. It's like, it's not, it's not that your, your weaknesses or your mistakes or your problems or my weaknesses or my mistakes or mm -hmm. my traumas or triggers are butting up against one another. What's actually butting up against each other are our strengths. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we, okay. Well, yeah. The, that, that the learning never stops the learning here, at, here together. <laughs> happening in real time as we yeah, record this always. outro. Thank you so much for listening out there. Thank you mm -hmm. for so much for supporting us while we, while we well, do our personal therapeutic <laughs> process. <laughs> but that's why we started this podcast was because we have these conversations all the time. All and the time. I kept going, why are we not sharing this? Might as well. Might as so well put it on digital, we, whatever. Yeah. We hope you like it. Let us know. And, and in the meantime, yeah. do breathing exercises. Just do it. Just do it. As we are learning every other, approximately every other guest, mm -hmm. their science is breathing, Breathe mindfulness, already. meditation. <laughs> so it, there must be something behind it. They can't all be wrong. So yeah. do a breathing exercise for 30 seconds. We'll uh, we'll actually start incorporating them in the community science report. Yeah, we did one today, and it was I felt so much better afterwards. Absolutely, we did, like we, did, we did a thirty second meditation, crazy. thirty second mindfulness meditation, and you can join us on the Here Together Community Lab on Facebook to mm -hmm. be uh, alerted and reminded of when we go live on Sunday morning for that community science report. You can meet other like minded hotties, stay engaged with all of these ideas we're wrestling with and promoting mm -hmm. and inputting and. Play Playing with. Playing with, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, join us on the Here Together Community Lab on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1. This is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Robert wishing you full knowledge of your strengths and their value. Mm. Mm. We love, we love you. you. The Here Together Podcast is a project of Rocket Feather Creative. Mm -hmm.